Hello and salam. Welcome to Muslim Viewpoint, a new podcast series powered by American Muslim Today, a groundbreaking non-profit digital newspaper which champions civic engagement. AMT informs and empowers the diverse voices of almost 30 million Muslims here in the US and other Western countries. I'm Rifat Malik. I'm AMT's editor-in-chief. And today we continue to honor the immense contribution American African-Americans have made in the U.S. following on from Black History Month in February. We interview Dr. Alia Ajumugi, who is the Operations Director for the Anti-Racism Collaboration, Muslim ARC, to discuss the organization's role in a project called the Muslim American Equity Initiative. She spoke to our reporter, Maya Gaylor. Yeah, so right now, Muslim Arc's role in the Equity Initiative is going to be as trainers. We'll be one of the first contacts with the community and doing a series of trainings around anti-racism to introduce them to the concepts and to help to build relationships. Right, and so why does Muslim Arc feel that um, this mission of anti-racism is so important? For the Muslim community, we are one of the most diverse faith groups in the United States, with our largest community being that of African Americans, and then you have Latina Americans, and then you have Swana and South Asian right below them. We are a community made up of people of color, and we have a long history in this country of not being treated well, and as a result, we have internalized a lot of that racism and place it within our community. Uh, especially for those of us who are South Asian and Swana, myself included, a lot of our community members are especially internalized anti-Blackness as a way to assimilate into white dominance, into white supremacy of American society. So anti-racism in the Muslim community is a way to bridge these gaps and get back to the core of the religion. We often hear that the religion itself is equitable. The prophet said, of course, peace be upon him, that we should not discriminate against anyone based on their ethnicity. No Arab is above anybody else. Yet in the U.S. especially, we still see that sentiment. We're feeling that sentiment. We're just trying to get everybody back to the core of our religion. Right. And so in the statement that you guys released, um, it states that our first step in this initiative will be needs assessment study with stakeholders within key regions of the United States. After conducting these needs assessments, all partners in this collaboration will build a pilot program. Um, So, you know, what will Muslims Arc's role be in that, um, you know, in collaboration with the two other organizations um, in addressing this issue of racism? Yeah, we're still in the planning stages. I know that as of right now, we're going to do a needs assessment in terms of a survey and giving feedback on a survey that's already been developed. One of the most important aspects of this project is that we have community buy-in and that we are not going into the community saying we know best. We wanna make sure that we're working with community members and doing what is best for them, but piloting this on a national scale so that we can have communication within communities and among communities. Right. Um, so can you tell me a little bit more about that assessment, you know, what it kind of looks like, uh, what you're hoping to really gauge from it? 
Yeah, we're hoping to gauge from this assessment a better determination of what we need to do within each city and getting initial feedback. This is a project that hasn't been done before on this large scale. So getting that initial buy-in, but also getting feedback from members of whether or not this is going to work the way that we think it will, and having that accountability along every step of the way to ensure that this program is successful for us to launch it beyond the five initial cities. Right. And so, you know, from this assessment, what kind of um, concrete steps will, will be taken? Do you know? For Muslim Arts role, I don't want to speak to the role of the other partner organizations. We like to develop our training so that they are specialized to each organization and to each community that we reach. So we want to make sure that when we're developing a training for one part of the country, we're not developing that same training for the other part, that we're developing case studies that are unique to these communities and to these circumstances so that we can get those deeper conversations rather than conversations that make sense for another community. Right, and so um, how will these, these initiatives, these programs, you know, this education, how will it um, fix the issue of racism? Or how do you hope it fixes that issue or addresses it? I'm not sure we'll ever fix the issue of racism. When we do, Muslim Mark will be done and that will be like, alhamdulillah, great. We're waiting to go out of business because racism no longer exists. But we want to begin that starting conversation. And this is within a larger history of the U.S. where we've had these starting conversations before, but there has been intervention. And we know, at least from my research, government intervention, right, surveillance programs to split us apart. How do we bridge these gaps? How do we get beyond that divide and conquer that we've seen in the Muslim community and start to build partnerships that are supposed to be of the religion, that are supposed to be more equitable? So we're not going to fix it overnight. It's going to be a long-term solution. It's going to be take a lot of hard work. Um, but inshallah, we're going to get to that point so that for the next generation, there will be less tensions than before. Right. Um, and then why has Muslim ARC chosen to collaborate with the two other organizations? Um, I believe it was like US IMCO and um, Islamic Relief. Mm -hmm. uh, we've been brought in as a part of this grant and as a part of this project, and we are very thankful to be included. We are excited by the mission. It's a mission that we want to do at Muslim Mark and a mission that we always seek. Our, uh, our goal is always liberation through education. And this is us taking this on a larger scale. So to be brought in on this project as partners, as collaborators and ensure its success. Well, also in the light of diversity and inclusion, the Islamic Schools League of America hosted their virtual awards ceremony for their second annual Celebrating African and African American History Contest for Muslim Middle Schoolers. We spoke to ISLA's Executive Director, Dr. Shaza Khan, about the importance of this contest and the benefits students receive. The Islamic Schools League of America engages in um, foundational and critical research on Islamic education. And one of the research um, projects that we had um, done was with Islamic School alumni. And through those interviews with 37 alumni from all over the country, there was um, there were some concerns brought up by the participants about the lack of um, 
focus and instruction and curriculum on um, the contributions of African Muslim and African American Muslims. And so we, you know, based on this finding, one of the other things ISLA does is also curate and create resources for Islamic schools. So we thought that a contest would really encourage our middle schoolers to dig in deeper, to find out and celebrate the contributions of African Muslims and African American Muslims throughout history and all over the world. Um, and for them to actually create the content through that engagement, this would also make it a lot easier for educators to address the gap in curriculum and um, without burdening them in a way to become experts on something that they might not have knowledge and access to information about or even time to like create a strong like project for. So um, with some team of like teachers and curriculum experts, we created a, um, a contest that had very specific guidelines and a rubric attached to it so that the students could be um, able to produce something that was really high quality. And so that's where we began last year. And I believe we received about 60 or so submissions last year, and it was just the first year. And it was so exciting. We had um, special messages from Mariam Ali, the daughter of the late Muhammad Ali, um, Yusuf Salam of the Exonerated Five. I'll have to, you know, check on the exact like titles of how they're referred to. That's actually Dr. Yusuf Islam, Dr. Yusuf Salam, and um, also Brother Mahmoud Abdurraouf, who is a former NBA player. You know, really just encouraging our students for the work that they did, and we got so many submissions from kids from all over the country. Um, talking about and exploring and celebrating um, the vast contributions that um, that African American and African Muslims have made throughout history. So it was just so exciting to see that. And we thought for sure we need to continue this. Um, you know, that this is definitely a program that we're going to continue to run uh, because it provides an opportunity for our kids to um, find real life people that they can, real life Muslims that they can relate to or be inspired by for their own um, futures and also for them to uh, contribute to the learning and knowledge of others, including us adults. And um, this year, what we did, we also have a number of sponsors for our project for this contest, um, including Muslim Kids TV, and I'll provide you with a list of others. Mm -hmm. And um, we'll be giving out some cash prizes. We did that last year, too, and this year, to first, second, and third place winners for each grade level, sixth, seventh, and eighth. And um, contest submission time has concluded, and the judges are um, going to be looking at these um, and scoring them based on the rubric, and then we'll have a virtual live award ceremony. So a couple of things that have changed this year is that we do have sponsors as well. 
Um, and I think that that's just so exciting because this means that we're like getting the whole community to get together to show how important this knowledge is um, and for us to celebrate and acknowledge the really um, critical um, contributions that African and African American Muslims have made uh, throughout the world to um, humanity. <laughs> right. Um, and then you mentioned sponsors. So specifically, specifically Muslim Kids TV, um, they are offering their one of their prizes is that some of the winners will get to work with the company. Um, so you know, can you tell me something about that? Yeah. So. As a former teacher myself, you know, one of the things that I truly value is um, authentic rewards and opportunities for continued growth for our students. Um, so it's not just about, you know, oh, the acknowledgement that you got first place or about a cash prize, but it's this opportunity to continue to build skills, knowledge, and opportunities for our youth. Um, they're our future. So... We approached Muslim Kids TV, who was already a sponsor um, contributing monetarily to um, the program and the contest itself, and um, asked if they would be interested in going further by engaging those winning students in an internship to see how the um, the whole content creation um, process occurs. So that's one option that they offered. And another option was to actually animate the PowerPoint presentations of our winning students to um, add to their own platform. Um, because we know that visual media is a highly consumed um what should I call it? It's just it's it's kind of the mode of learning and entertainment for our kids now. So maybe that would actually increase the um, impact of the students' work even further, and again continue to build the knowledge base uh, and and fill that gap. So I'm just so excited that this project came from research um, findings, research-based findings about a problem. We were able to identify a problem in our Islamic schools and then so quickly turn around and be able to provide one solution starting last year and then this year to be able to partner with others to just expand the impact of what our students are doing um, by filling this gap in knowledge um, for for anyone who wants it. And, this, and the impact of this doesn't even have to be limited to the United States because once it's on the website or on Muslim Kids TV, people from all over the world are looking at it and learning more and, and celebrating their identity, their history, and um, just it's just such a beautiful thing to, to know and, and understand some of and uncover and unearth some of these hidden gems, you know, that, that can bring us a lot of joy. Right, um, and exactly. So, as you said, you know, your your this contest is expanding the diversity in, in education, which then helps with tolerance and respect, understanding of other cultures. So, what do you hope, um, you know, comes from having this annual contest? 
Well, I hope that um, teachers have a lot more access to resources um, about African Muslim and African American Muslims' contributions and integrate it into their curriculum, not just during um, Black History Month, but throughout the year in multiple disciplines um, to build the confidence and um, pride in their Muslim identity of, of our of our next generation, inshallah, and that our our youth understand that they are change makers, that they can um, educate others, that they can um, do more than that, that they can actually create. That they're not just consumers; they're not just passive recipients of knowledge that their teachers or textbooks are providing them, but that they can actually. Um, go in and solve a problem which is the, these gaps in, in knowledge and curriculum and actually educate others and um, and resulting in that um, just knowledge of, of diverse con- of contributions of diverse communities and people and um, and take pride in that inshallah but I do want to say one thing Maya just as, as an academic I'm very particular about words and one word that I have a little bit of a pet peeve with is tolerance. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think that uh, it's enough to tolerate someone. So just I know that, you know, of course, in journalism, when something's ran, then that's mm-hmm. kind of like memorialized. So I really wouldn't use that word. It's mm-hmm. really about celebrating mm-hmm. um, the contributions so that we can acknowledge. And, is that, and let me go a little bit further, Maya. You know, somebody could say, well, oh, we should do a contest about, you know, celebrating um, South Asian contributions or Arab contributions um, to whatever humanity, right? And and that's fine. We could do that. Or we could just celebrate Muslim contributions, right? Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that's really important for us to recognize is that our schools in the United States, whether they're Islamic schools or any other school, are part of a larger um network a larger um, societal structure that is has its history in um, perpetuating marginalization and oppression of certain peoples um, and there's many different groups of people who have been um, who have suffered that oppression and so we need to active, actively, um, first of all, we need to acknowledge that that is the case, that just by creating an Islamic school, we don't just become removed from that. Um, I'm, I'm forgetting the word, Maya, but if it comes to me, I'm going to tell it, I'm going to say it to you. <laughs> but we aren't, um, we're not just, we don't automatically become removed from that. And I think that that's what's happened, um, that a lot of Islamic schools, uh, will or Muslims might think that like oh we're not part of the problem but when it comes to marginalization that is embedded within the societal structures and the social infrastructure of our country um, if you're not actively doing something against it then you may be replicating it and that is what we found was happening through our research through the testimonies of some of our students particularly African American or black students um, saying that they faced marginalization and racism in their schools and or that they just didn't learn enough about it. They heard a lot about Arab um, Muslims or, you know, South Asian or, you know, the Ottoman Empire, but we didn't hear about that 
the, the contributions of African and African-American Muslims. And um, this is one way to counter that narrative. And without starting from the point of victimization or oppression, but starting from a place of joy and celebration. And I think that that's really, really important. And, and it's very intentional. So a lot of times, like in, in our public schools, and I'm a product of public schools, we'll talk about Black History Month, and we'll talk about Martin Luther King. We might talk about Malcolm X, if we're lucky. Mm-hmm. Or we'll talk about Rosa Parks. And all of that starts from a framework of oppression. It doesn't start from what Goldie Muhammad, for example, who's a professor and um, a scholar, talks about the genius and joy of African-American and black students, or in particular. Mm-hmm. That's where we're starting from, is the genius of the joy that we're starting with celebration. It doesn't, and so when you look at the contributions of the students, it's not just about people who are fighting for, fighting against oppression. It's about scientists. It's about, you know, athletes. It's, it's, it's the diverse spectrum of contributions that they've made that aren't only embedded within the narrative of oppression and racism and slavery which is where typically when we're trying to counter it in our public schools and in in, in American general conversations, it's like a lot of times when we talk about Black History Month, that's where it starts and that's where it ends. And it's like there's so much more to it. Well, thank you so much for joining us this week from me and Maya. Goodbye. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at American Muslim Today. And if you'd like to read more about this story and access more digital content, feel free to check out our website, AmericanMuslimToday.com. We'll see you next week on The Muslim Viewpoint.